Welcome back, pod people, to a brand new episode of Cinema de More. I am your host, Justin Morgan. I'm here with... Scott. And Lexi. And we're finishing our erotic thrillers theme that I had chosen. And I have easily picked the most erotic film, I think, uh, out of the whole group. That's not my ego. That's just how things went. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. It is the truth. Chuck, if you could describe this film in one word, what would it be? Steamy. And you, Lexi? Bells. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, The Handmaiden, Park Chan-wook, 2016. I don't even know if it came out in theaters. If it did, it was really quick. And it ended up on Amazon Prime, and it's been there ever since. And it's actually one of the scarier things because the physical media is just so hard to get. It's already out of print. I got nervous for a second where I was like, it better still be on Amazon because I have no way of watching this. I don't own this movie at all. It did say it was like an Amazon original. Yeah, I think it's like owned by Amazon. I think they were the distributor. Yeah, they bought it. Unless they start being like all the other streaming services and wanting to cut off things that aren't making money for them and remove it. Now, I didn't get the full story of how this happened. No disrespect. The person has now passed, but a local grip here in Pittsburgh, Matt Valeri, he ended up working on this movie. And the way that I knew it was because I left the credits on, all the credits are Korean, and then I see his name, and I'm like, what the fuck? I think I worked with his wife maybe the next year. Did he work on that Korean movie as a grip? <laughs> yeah, I don't know the story of how that even happened. Did he go over there like, what was going on? He's the only American that's listed on that entire credit. So this movie is very twisty. There's a lot of similarities, I think, to Gone Girl also, which I didn't really notice until, obviously, we watched them back to back. Yeah, they're both movies that change pretty much exactly halfway through and switch the perspective entirely. Yeah, it changes the perspective. Maybe the biggest difference is the character arcs of the two main characters. They work their way from scumbag to decent human being. I mean, as close to decent human being, I guess get just going through park chan wook's filmography i kind of feel like he's been getting better speak up it felt different for you but it didn't feel like an extremely long movie to me did the runtime feel long to you it was a little long for me but it wasn't terrible it just uh it was a bit longer than i was anticipating but it wasn't that it was bad or anything just um when it did the swivel to like the secondary story i wasn't really ready for it i was like ah we're gonna be doing a little bit anticipating like all right i guess i gotta settle in for more but i wasn't mad i just i wasn't anticipating having to deal with more than i was being given it's a movie that really took me for a ride maybe more so than his others obviously we're going to be heavily spoiling the movie i highly recommend going and watching it on amazon prime before even listening to this episode so maybe stop it at this point but Old Boy, Old Boy is his most popular movie with maybe one of the more memorable twists. Most people know that twist. The action holds you through the whole movie and then the twist is kind of like, oh, well that's fucked up. And this movie, there are so many twists constantly. It's pretty straightforward till about the 40, 45 minute mark and then it just goes insane. The twists are not perverted. I think the majority of the story of the film is fairly perverted. It's a fairly like erotic story, but that the twists of the film are not the erotic pieces of the film. Whereas with Old Boy, the twist is erotic, if that makes sense. Like where it's the daughter and that kind of thing. Like it's I don't that, know if that would like, be creepy. erotic. But you know what I mean? It's that creepy, like, uh, like 
it's definitely that yeah whereas this movie like the twists are like more like honestly like murder mystery kind of thing it's not really that kind of you get what i'm saying like it's more aligned with that kind of thing it's like crooks doing planning so it's like double crosses and that kind of stuff it's more in that realm with the way that they're doing their their twists the twists are not creepy twists they're more like the creepy is the rest of the film the twists are not the creepy you get what i'm saying Yeah, everything that's set up in this movie defies your expectations by the time that it plays out. Almost nothing plays out the way that they make it seem in the beginning. So you're constantly lied to as a viewer from beginning to end. I just kind of like how it started. It threw the plans out. And if you're talking like as if this was a heist film, you're getting the plan laid out because things aren't going to go according to plan. I also appreciate, too, how at the beginning of this movie, they speak in Japanese and Korean. There's like a note at the very beginning of the movie that they're going to do different colors so you know what language, what, who is speaking. And I thought that that kind of helped bring more context to the story as to who was who. I saw, too, and this was new to me, that this movie was based off of a British book. So the setting for the book was in the UK somewhere. They gave it this Korean setting for this movie, clearly. The Count, he starts out in the UK right like that's his initial background he's like a con artist forgery person he's probably been to the uk i'd assume because he stated that his background came from the uk like that's where he learned all of his stuff don't trust the con artist right that's why i'm just but i'm like where you said the story came from there i'm like whoa well, maybe he did like maybe there's this family of con artists and this main con artist comes in and kind of runs the show but there's no honor among thieves and i kind of like how as the story progresses we find out that there's this plot that there's this rich heiress that he's basically trying to marry and steal all her money get her locked away in a madhouse so him and this girl who's gonna be the main handmaiden can split the goods and kind of just make off with everything and they show that very early that she's pretty much in poverty. There's that whole kind of like eat the rich vibe of fuck them, I don't respect them. And there's a little bit of a love story in this movie too. Did you like the love story, Chuck? I did. It was a good one. I think my favorite thing was, I don't know why, this is the thing that sticks out the most to me. I love the uncle. The uncle's such a weird, bizarre character. He's supposed to be so menacing, but he's always just like being carried around on some guy's back. Like he's in like... <laughs> in like the back of shots like looking at people very <laughs> trying to be like very scary while, while that guy's carrying him around while he's like reading a book he's always got shit in his lips like he, ink yeah he's always got ink because he licks the the brush when he's writing things so his tongue's black his tongue's black his eyebrows are insane he's a very like theatrical villain to this story he reminds me of something from a Takashi Miike film yeah he's a great character he's easily the worst he's killing people in this so yeah, he chops people up in his basement, apparently. He'll kill you and make it look like you hung yourself. Yeah. His printing shop. It's the basement. I do like the idea of the basement. For some reason, at first, I felt where they were doing these readings in his library, I thought that that was considered the basement at first. No, there's another layer of <laughs> fucked up beyond that that you, you learn about basement basement yeah there's a basement to the basement and that's what no, i'm talking we're not, we're about not in we're not in the real basement yet the sub basement they play around with the audience both characters reveal themselves accidentally the handmaiden knows more about jewelry than she should the harris or whatever she knows more about sex than she should it's done very subtly 
I also like how almost everything that the lady says to the handmaiden in the first part, because it's split up into three parts in this movie, it all ends up being stuff that the Count slash Forger had said to her. It hints that the handmaiden and the Forger don't have that good of a, a relationship because she doesn't know him that well. His cover is that he's an art teacher, but uh, I, I love her paintings. They're all terrible. <laughs> Yeah. Her paintings and drawings that are like show zero skill whatsoever. And he's just like, yeah, maybe if you added some more dimensionality to that, it would be great. And it's like, just, they're just like, they're just like awful. Like they're not even remotely close. I taught her how to dictate. Well, in the UK, they teach them how to paint straight lines. And he's like, I don't know. I, I never did that. <laughs> I guess we're getting what 1930s Japan underground pornography ring was like. Because at first, yeah. they're just like, yeah, he's a book collector. But all his books are the most pervy books that he could possibly <laughs> get. I did like that the octopus pleasuring a lady, famous one, that had made it into Mad Men and is hanging in my guest room. It's everywhere. Is, it's one of the ones where he was trying to forge in this. It has that old boy fucked up, too, though. Because the uncle kills his wife and then wants to marry the niece who he knows from being a child and the questions that he's asking the Duke about her. Yeah. I took your advice, Lexi, too. I ended up watching Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. When I was watching this, when you get to the middle of this movie, I found it very similar to Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I wouldn't say they're the same movie at all, but lesbians and painting and I found that that side of it, like the romance side of it and the way that that stuff was kind of done and executed, like with the high high society, like lady and the lower society positions and that kind of stuff. I, I found a lot of that to have a lot of crossover and where I had just seen the portrait of a, a lady on fire, like a couple months earlier and still was fresh in my mind. And then watching this, I, I had a lot of crossover. So I feel like I've watched two movies this year about lesbians painting, but this one had better lesbian sex scenes than Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which Portrait of a Lady on Fire has some pretty good lesbian sex scenes. Pretty solid, but like that scissoring scene in this one, <laughs> that shit was like fucking intense. Like that shit goes on too. And you're like, damn, they are scissoring the fuck out of each other. All I could think of was South Park with Mr. Garrison. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, we're, we're scissoring. scissoring. <laughs> 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 I was just like, it's just getting crazy. <laughs> shocked did you watch this movie with like a headphones on or something or did your mom hear this <laughs> no i was i was home alone <laughs> so i could just put it through the sound system you know, maybe my neighbors heard it i don't know good i hope they did yeah yep hope they were like that boy's getting something going on yeah. good tonight <laughs> <laughs> damn someone's having a good time in there i hear scissoring <laughs> <laughs> what's that jingling <laughs> yes pussies and bells that was one of my favorite scenes the pussies and the bells easily my favorite scene ever that to me was like some straight up old boy shit too like when that scene came up i was like yeah this is the director of old boy i'm like 100%. was the foreshadowing the bell that was broke for the handmaiden the one yeah. that rang into her room which is really funny because you need a bell for that but you can scream because it's literally the next door over I think, personally, you can fight me on this, but I think that this one is very erotic, but not thriller. 
I found this like more dramatic. I thought this was like more like a drama with like. I think the same thing. I know what he's saying. It's drama applied more than necessarily. I don't know. When I think thrill, I think like even deeper mystery. I, that's where I felt like the first two movies, Perfect Blue and Gone Girl, had more thriller. This had more erotic. I don't know that we found that perfect balance. I'd say that's what we failed on both of our ends this month. We leaned far one way and then we leaned far the other way. Yeah. But we didn't get that real good balance. I think we definitely got erotic. This was excellent erotic. The erotic in this was hard. Oh. Like, you got it down packed, but I don't think you got the thriller down. I think we definitely executed the thriller down hard with the first two films. I think we got those down. You're right, because when I think of thriller, I think of something with a lot of suspense. Yeah, this, this wasn't suspense. It was just like twists and turns, which they were good, but it just wasn't what I would specifically say the word thriller to describe. And I think it was an excellent film. And I think anybody should go watch it for sure. I'd call it more like erotic mystery or something. I might even say Old Boy was more of an erotic thriller in a lot of ways. Yeah, it has more thrilling aspects to it. More thrilling, but less erotic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the twist in this movie is good. The twist does come out of nowhere in this movie, and I wasn't... That whole scene is very well done, where when they go to drop her off at the insane asylum, and it, everyone starts, like, walking away, and it's just the handmaiden standing there, and she's like, well, I guess this is where we're leaving you here. <laughs> okay, well, we'll take you away. And, like, they keep backing up towards the car, and she's just like, yeah, I, I think you need to stay with these guys. And they're like, no, I'm pretty sure you're staying. <laughs> well, they tricked her up perfectly with dressing her up in the nicer clothes, and you look so good in this. I like when you you have somebody to wear my stuff. I think maybe for me, the only moment in this movie that feels maybe far-fetched, and there's a lot of things that you guys could probably say that was a little bit much, is the fact that she was able to, in the third act, break out of the insane asylum by writing a letter to her con artist family. They were good enough to like start a fire and come in dressed in firefighter outfits. And I'm like, well, that's pretty impressive because they seem like the poorest people on the face of the earth. And I took them more for like pickpockets and just talking people into scams, not being hey, able They scammed to... people into giving them firefighter outfits. They probably stole them. They probably like t waited till there was an actual fire, then like went to like a fire station, like stole their equipment. Yeah, from I do want to see that story. Yeah. I think we did a really good job this month of picking really good movies. Everything was really great. There was no movie that was boring. The pacing was good on everything. Everything I wanted to sit and watch and I was interested in. And all of these movies, which I don't know if anybody realized they were doing it at the time, but like three solid twists like that, like the, the movies, all of them really had really good twists to do them the way they did each film I'm like that's pretty impressive to be able to pick three films like we did to have the twists the way that they did there's so many in this you'd never know where it's going no one did that on purpose we didn't pick these films and go ha ha look at the twists that these movies have especially me i'm just like i just want to do this movie and i'm like hey this actually like correlated really well with what you guys picked and i'm like that just worked out well and I don't even know if Chuck thought about it when he was picking Gone Girl. Like, I think it just worked out that way. You know what I, I mean? I always know like, that I'm picking the best movie. Uh, obviously. I'm sorry. It's I, just I, a fact. I understand. <laughs> don't bow down to Chuck but, like that. But you know what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I really do feel like we didn't realize we were picking films with such good twists the way that these are done. They're so good. Like, all of them. The Handmaiden is notorious, too, for going back and showing the scene from a different perspective and it being, like, 180 completely different from what the hell you had previously seen. 
Just the tiniest yeah. bit of information completely changed. This is definitely, you gotta pay attention to this movie. There was a moment I picked up my phone for a second and I was like, oh no, I shot myself in the foot. You should really just pay attention entirely. And I was like, put the phone somewhere entirely. Don't fuck around when you're watching. Like, pay attention. I pay attention to everything usually. I was just like, I just had a minute. And just like, that was that, that minute I lost enough information in that five minutes that I was like, okay, like you lost too much. Yeah, you if, have to if you need a back. phone break, pause it. That's my recommendation. Because of exactly the stuff that you're saying where they will go back and they think, oh, you think, oh, we're going over the same stuff again, but it's different this time. Some things fuck with you in different ways too. When they walk past that tree and you see the rope there where it's cut, but they didn't explain why that rope was on that tree until the second act where the lady tries to hang herself and the handmaiden catches her. And it reminds me, it makes me think of like a weird comedy or something in that one moment in the entire she movie. She like lets her go. She's yeah. She's like, like, oh, that jerk and like lets her go. And <laughs> She starts, like, strangling. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, but you ignore why that's there the first time. Yeah. I wondered that exact moment when they walked past it, and I'm like, I don't get why there's a noose hanging from the tree. I'm so confused. I was like, has that been there the whole time? And, like, I just didn't notice that it's been hanging there when they'd show that tree. I like that cut, too. I'm trying to remember the phrasing. Maybe you remember it. Between uh, parts one and part two, where you're like, she was a bitch. And it's like, I was a bitch. Yeah. That was a little bitch. Uh, oh, yeah. And then he's making her do the reading, and he's yelling at her and calling her a bitch. And he's hitting her with the bells. That's horrifying. Well, then you get the story about the aunt that hung herself. But then when they do the flashback, the little girl's like, I've read about, because she reads a lot, what it's like when somebody strangles himself. Their mouth's open, their tongue's hanging out, they defecate themselves, and that's not what I saw at all with my aunt. And that's when he's like, well, let me show you the basement. And if you're like her and you try to run from me, this is what will happen to you. So I think it is kind of nice in this movie that, I don't know what you thought, but I was surprised that when they drugged the uh, forger that he ended up waking up. I thought that she was going to kill him the first time. But I like him waking up. There's another comedic scene too where he just has no pants on and those two guys are just chilling on the bed. Just like that, and then it leads to that great I, I really enjoy the scene where they've got him chained up in the car and he pulls out his cigarette case and then like at first it just seems weirdly comedic when he pulls out three cigarettes and starts smoking them all at the same time but then when it turns out that's a good it's a good like a plant and payoff that he had because you see those two blue cigarettes blue in there cigarettes, that, are, yeah. that yeah. he doesn't take he takes all the rest of them out so it forces it that when he asks the guy later to give him a cigarette that he has to give him one of the blue ones it's a great little plant, too, because when he pulls out the cigarettes, you think, well, there's two guys back there with him, so he's just lighting three cigarettes I thought he was going to give them to him, yeah. I thought that's, that's, that's what I thought. I thought he was going to offer them. Then they, they, but they start, like, rolling the windows down because they hate it that he's, that he's smoking so much in the car. I like when he makes the cigarette and he paints the naked lady painting on the cigarette before he rolls it. And the uncle's like, you're so talented. <laughs> I'm just like I'm just like looking at him do that though, and I'm like, ew! Could you imagine smoking it like all that ink on that cigarette? Yeah, like, that uh, other guy's just painting his tongue in it. That's disgusting too. Yeah, who knows how old they're supposed to be? But ugh. that's so gross. I want to know where that private ring started, where you get the weird private readings, the pornographic readings, like how this group came about, where they heard about this collector who's into specifically like his rare books were not first editions of something his rare books were literally just they're dirty books it kind of reminded me of like hostile 2 but instead of like killing people it's just reading books and some theatrical doll play or whatever you want to call it 
Oh yeah, when they mimic the scenes because the, the ink print is missing, mm -hmm. the, the block ink print is missing, so they force the girl to physically mimic the the scenes. I don't know if they forced her to do it. Well, I don't think she's really doing any of what she's doing because she's excited to be there and enjoying herself. No. But it is nice that the two men collided into ending up in the basement and kind of getting the end of both of those stories. Like, they both got what was coming to them. I guess the cigarette thing's the more random thing. At the same the time... The Mercury cigarette's good. Like the Mercury that. cigarettes are weird, but you know what? He's also the guy that's walking around with poison. Yeah, he had that other poison for her to use if she wanted to. I didn't think that was even that weird for, like, the guy who did Old Boy. Or I don't know. I watch a lot of Asian content, and they do all kinds of weird shit like that. Like, Japanese, Korean, Thailand. What like, didn't you think was weird? Things like the, the cigarette like that. Like, they, the cultures seem to do a lot of things like weird little poison things like that. You know what I mean? So I've seen stuff like that in so many different Asian culture things. So I'm just like, it's not that weird to me. I don't think it's weird. I, I just thought that it's established to that character. He's a poisoner. He works with that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good actor. He's a good character. Although they were all pretty good. Yeah, everybody's excellent in this movie. I think the only one that's like from his history of films is the woman that played the main maid, who was the, maybe the scariest person in the whole movie to me. I don't know why. She seemed a little bit creepier than the uncle, even. She got joy out of the little girl getting smacked around and stuff like that. If you like that type of shit, then... I don't know. This movie's full of crazy bitches. But why are they crazy? Tuh. Is it the men in their lives? You live in that world. You'd be crazy too. Yeah. Sleep in a fucking closet. Sounds like fun. With a bell. You're rich, but you're not really like able to do anything with your life. You're really just like a doll, essentially. And then you're made to do something that other people wish they could do, but it doesn't really matter because all you're used for is to read porn. So. I also think that Duke con artist is a good antagonist in this because he seems to be so smart throughout the whole movie he's able to just tell from someone's eyes if they're interested in him or not i don't know if he knows that she's a lesbian but he throws his entire plan into plan b when he realizes he's never going to be able to seduce this person at all i actually kind of like the compromise scene where they come together and they're like this is what it's going to be happening simultaneously with the handmaiden they start falling in love with each other there were several lines that he ended up saying to her in the second act that the harris said to the handmaiden in the first act there's like a moth to the flame type of line that she says in the bedroom but he never picked up on that but then yeah you got all the erotic too you got your bells and your whistles <laughs> would you watch this with your mom either one of you Just both of you fucking no i'd say probably not that would be a worse movie to watch with your mom than Gone Girl, right? Yeah, maybe just a little bit. I think this one's worse than Gone Girl. I think when you get to the bell scene, it surpasses Gone Girl, for sure. And the scissoring scene. I don't want to watch the scissoring scene with my mom. I don't even know if I saw the trailer for this. I probably just watched it because it was part Chan Wook. I saw that the woman... Too, the one that's in um, in Lady Vengeance that's the head handmaiden in this yeah. she's also in Your Wailing Chuck which yeah. we're going to be talking about in the future yeah, I can't remember I don't think anybody else is in this movie that's in that one and they came out the same year Yeah, they're both 2016 movies they're also both two and a half hours long perfect yeah 
I'm way looking forward to that. <laughs> if you just saw this poster or something on Amazon. What, what year did this one come out? 2016. Okay. Oh, wow. That was a while ago. I missed out on this. It seems like it would just be like some weird, I don't want to say Elizabethan, but like however you describe like like a high society drama or something like that. You have to stay on your toes the whole time. As exactly like Lexi said, it's you can't really not pay attention for a little bit or else you're going to be lost or at least you're going to miss something fun. You're going to miss something that was planted earlier in the movie. He's a good director. Oh, yeah. He's very confident. It's interesting when we, when we talked about Old Boy and we talked about Spike Lee doing Old Boy and how this version of Old Boy is so confident and so good and Spike Lee is just so all over the place. And Spike Lee is such a confident director and we spent a month talking about him and how he was one of our favorite directors. And I just don't think it's a story for him, though. Like, that's not a movie for Spike Lee. Like, I wouldn't give Spike Lee Old Boy. That's not something I feel like is, like, really in his wheelhouse. Like, I think Old Boy is just kind of perfect in its own form. Like, I wouldn't fuck with it or change it. Like, it's this perfect mix of, like, violent and, like, sexual and, like, deep all at once. And it really fuses them all together really well. And I think that's something this director does really well. Like, he, he's really able to find a way to bring those violent and sexual elements infuse them together with very deep storytelling which this movie also does there's lots of violence and sexual elements but it's an incredibly deep film like we said like it comes across as a drama and it really like really feels like you said like almost like elizabethan drama like i said like i got the woman on fire vibes very hard from it like multiple times throughout it which is like hard french lesbian drama i don't think it has that in the final product as much as like what the advertising looks like though no that comes out very strongly in it and that's executed well in it like all those elements flow very nicely in it nothing really like overpowers one or the other like it's it's a fine stew like you know (laughs) what i was saying so it mixes really nicely together and this director's good at like mixing those elements but i don't know if like handing those elements to anybody else like they can mix it as well. In the middle of this movie, I had a blackout, and it's a blackout periodically throughout the house in Korea in this movie. I literally lost power because I just decided to watch it during the thunderstorm that we had, so it kind of made it more real. It didn't happen during the reading of the pornographic book or whatever the hell. (laughs) What is it about Korean cinema that's so different and good in comparison? I don't want to say good and bad. I don't want to say better because I don't want to say better, but we're really in a place right now where when I'm looking for things to watch, I'm really finding that the best things I'm finding are coming from Korea. There was that good 10-year ten period, ten year period there where like the best content that I was able to find was coming out of Korea. Why is it that they're doing such a good job of producing films right now and we're doing such a piss-poor job of producing films? It's kind of like how the French New Wave started, I think. You got these people that are starting to make films, and they're really influenced by the films that they love. They do love a lot of American films, but it's not the like pop culture films that we keep churning out. Also, I feel like when a foreign movie is made, we're not seeing everything that Korea does. Right. 
there's like a movement where there's at least there's going to be like five six seven directors from that country right now that you find out that they all work on each other's films and everything too that's the thing i feel like we're i think i feel like we're, we get diluted things because it's like if a movie's bad and people in korea or japan or france or wherever the movie's from if they think it's bad then it's never going to even remotely see the light of day in america because no one's going to bother to put it over here it's like i'm sure they're making i'm sure there's people making bad movies in korea there's people making bad movies in japan there's people making bad movies in every yeah. country but they're never right. going to make it to america because why would they if the people in their own home country didn't want to watch it why would they try to send it to us Based off of what Chuck's saying, what we should start doing is anytime we discuss a foreign film, we should look into like what kind of awards that they've won and where they're coming from. I know this was at Cannes. Portrait of a Lady of Fire BAFTA, was at Cannes. I think it, won, it won the foreign feature at, at the right. BAFTAs, not the Academy Awards that didn't get nominated. Think about this one though too. Like with going back to what I'm saying, not to cut you off, but like we're like in a nice renaissance right now. I mean, it's I might be kind of slowing down a bit, but we were in a nice renaissance there with the Korean films where we were just getting good Korean films. You know what I mean? Like we were getting like Parasite and top top director Korean films. But like when we had our Japanese film boom in the 2000s, it was like we weren't really getting good Japanese film we were kind of getting like horror films and anime and it, some of it was good but we weren't getting like the top of the Japanese director content we were just getting like top of like the trash content almost like we were getting like top tier like horror movies and top tier anime and top tier so like cartoons and horror movies essentially I mean we were even getting top tier remakes like Departed is a great movie and that kind of like opened the door for people to see more Korean movies not everybody is Departed Korean? yeah I didn't know that but that's like a, what a 2003 movie Infernal Affairs and that was like around the time like Bittersweet uh, Life was like 2005 and so like around that time you're starting to get some really good movies and actually streaming kind of sucks because if you don't own something that can disappear so fast but also it's it's another way for distribution from other countries to land here faster i'm actually surprised by some of the newer foreign films that i've seen mostly japanese movies and mostly big property like i saw ultraman and i think that might have been technically last year and i saw shin kamen rider we're gonna get the new godzilla and we're gonna get the new miyazaki movie here this year well, I mean, we have a pretty solid relationship with the Japanese in regards to consuming their content in regards to, like, you know, TV and but movies. A so. lot of times I, I find it hard to even see these movies. Like, they've actually been released in a theater close to me, and I'm used to some movies never even remotely getting close to me. I, yeah. I feel like Handmaiden was probably one of them, too. Like, I wanted to see that movie in theaters. I would have seen it in theaters. The reason I didn't was because it wasn't anywhere around here. I'm sure Colorado, where you're at, and at least Pittsburgh, is, Pittsburgh's not the greatest. It's usually, usually when things are get, starting to get wide releases, we'd still be like three or four weeks after the initial release by the time that we get something. Well, I'm in Denver and I have Alamo theaters around me and even those don't get it as much as you would think they would. Maybe it's just like our area too, but in Pittsburgh and the waterfront, there's a lot of Indian movies. And I think there's just a big awesome. Indian community here. So that's pretty constant. And you'll get sequels. It'll be like something part four. And you'll be like, Jesus Christ. They just really churn out all those Bollywood movies and stuff like that. We have a small theater here that does Rocky and showings of The Room. 
I need to go there. We have a couple small ones like that that would essentially do what we're doing on our podcast, like talking about movies, but showing those movies. So they'll That's neat. Like the row house is good for that, like picking a theme and being like for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing, you know, murder mystery movies or something like that. It does fade because there's been smaller theaters around here that ended up dying. The Hollywood Theater in Dormont, I think it's still open, but they got new ownership and they stopped doing obscure movies and they started doing popular movies and it's only one screen. And you think, why the fuck are they doing something like that? Because they don't do the discount days because they, they need the money. So am I going to go... Do you still have that dollar theater around you? The dollar theater is now like a luxury theater. It's nice what they've done with it, I think, the last time I was there, but it's all like reclining seats. Bastards is the dollar theater. Saw tons of stuff there. They're literally close some of the screens because they're like the roof's caving in and it's actually snowing <laughs> inside that theater. It's really funny. I'm actually surprised that neither one of you saw this movie sooner. I thought for the director I never even that... heard of this until you brought it up. Like I've never heard of it, I've never seen it. And the fact that it was done by the guy who did Old Boy, like he said, twenty sixteen. I, I should have watched this like years ago. Like I really surprised I didn't see it. Like you said, it's been hidden. Like I never pops up on my feed, never shows it to me under the Amazon Originals. Like and I go under the Amazon Originals all the time looking for like Amazon Originals content. It's never under there. Chuck, did you? I know you didn't watch this, but was it on your radar? Yeah, I don't think I realized it came out that long ago. Like, like I felt like it was only like a couple years ago. I was like, ah, it's not like that old. And then it's like 2016. I was like, oh, it's like seven years old. I guess I did wait a long time. It's been brought up a lot on this episode, but I know there's a re-release of Old Boy happening this year because it's his 20th anniversary. And that's another movie that doesn't feel like it's 20 years old. No, it looks great, too. It feels like it's a 10-year-old movie to me. God, I saw that when I was in college. Now you can see it again. Old as fuck. (laughs) Unfortunately, we are. Uh, It's true. I'm glad that you guys liked it. I'm sorry, Lexi, that it was too long for you. No, it's fine. It's just like I said, it, it wasn't too long, but that I wasn't anticipating the length, and that it did a thing where I was like, oh, we're still going. All right. In retrospect, though, I do agree. This is our at least for me the three movies that we chose are all like favorites of mine i think these are the best movies we've covered this year honestly probably in a row the whale wasn't bad as far as like top contender films of the year and stuff but like i think these are some of our best films and yeah for like a month of three films in a row kind of thing like hey plus like we all did a good job this time (laughs) i like the whale a lot the whale was excellent the way i feel about it how often you go back and think about these movies so like us all picking something from not even the last five years farther out than that these are movies that are in the back of our head when i watch perfect blue this is a great movie i could definitely see us discussing this down the road gone girl is the same thing like i've actually been like we got to do gone girl eventually but i feel like we've been talking about that for like three years now like we got to do gone girl at some point i'm really glad i got to be here for that because I never saw that movie, and it's a really good experience, even though it gave me trauma. <laughs> That's all we were trying to do. You know what, though? Like you always saying when we watch these movies, it gave me a personal emotional experience. And Yeah, and maybe it's not the best thing to do. Therapy might be better, but I feel like a strong emotional response, negative or positive, kind of makes a movie good or not. 
the ones that you're just like, ah, I liked it, or ah, I don't, I don't really care for it, and then you forget it even fucking existed in a month. And how can you tell? Right. Even at the end of the year, I'll do like my favorite movies of the year. I'll make a list. I'll usually go back to be like, what came out this year that I saw? And sometimes even within the year, I'd already forgotten about some of these movies. So I'm like, I don't know if I can even include that as one of my favorite movies because I said it was a great movie, but I I already forgot it existed. I will say I'm still talking about Gone Girl, even after seeing it. This one, I am telling people to watch it. There's a lot of people that I'm like, oh yeah, you gotta watch this movie. I'm not like, I think this movie was superb and I loved it. I was like, that's pretty good. I liked it. But I'm like, I can think of a bunch of people in my life where I'm like, oh, you'll love this movie. Super horny and like super whatever. Like I'm like, oh yeah, I got a list of people. It's hard to convince people to watch something that even that you know 1000% they're gonna love that movie. You just, you can't recommend anything to anybody. They don't want to watch it. Genuinely, if you are a fan of Woman on Fire, give this a shot. It's basically like a more horny Korean Woman on Fire with like some twists and like a whole extra story on top of it. I almost feel like it's a better Woman on Fire. Genuinely. Because it's like Woman on Fire, but with more. That's just my thoughts. And you watch Woman on Fire, so you can... I, I like that movie a lot. I liked how every moment looked like a painting everything was Woman on fire precise. is gorgeous i'm not going to say anything like bad about that movie it's a stunning film i'm just like this was also like in that same ballpark so if you like that hmm. you'll like this if you like horny lesbians painting you'll like this just as much there you go that or old boy if you want some hot lesbian sex this movie is up your alley like 100 percent. because the, the fucking le- lesbian sex scenes this movie they go on <laughs> <laughs> they're hot you approved of them? High high level approval, dude. <laughs> I wasn't expecting some of them to go on the way they did. Like, I thought they were just going to be, like, simple and subtle. And then I'm like, holy fuck. But, you know, it's the guided old boy. So I'm just like, once that clicked in my head. Because in my head, I was like, it's the director of Parasite. I kept telling myself it's the director of Parasite. I don't know why I kept telling myself that. And I was like, no, no, it's the director of old boy. I'm like, oh, it's the director of old boy. I'm like, oh, everything makes perfect fucking sense now. I'm like, that's why it explains why it's horny as fuck. Those two, him and uh, Takashi Miike, I'm like, oh, the guy, this guy is like a much more competent, better story-driven Takashi Miike. Like, they still have the same horny levels and that kind of shit, but like, you know, he's better with his narratives and his story structure and that kind of stuff. Takashi Miike is like not that great with his stories. He's just mostly like, I like gore and weird shit. And Chuck, where do you rate those scenes? Steamy. McSteamy. I liked your months. Thank I was you. really annoyed going into it. And Why? Pleased with the outcome. I was like, I hate this subject. I'm like, I don't know this kind of thing. I don't watch these kind of movies. This is not my thing at all. I was like, I'm just gonna see what I can figure out. And I'm like, I'll throw a perfect blue at you because it's the only thing I can possibly think of. And it's like, I'm gonna have to watch like Silk Stockings kind of shit because I hate Silk Stockings kind of shit. Or like Red Shoe Diaries. It's like, I'm surprised everything was like as new as it was. I I kind of expected some more like 80s. That's what I thought we were gonna get into, like the the bad, the the fucking Vaseline on the lens and like weird kind of music. I just not good. I 
hate that stuff. I was never a fan of that kind of stuff. Dreamer Silk Stockings on US Egg. How I hated that show, show so much. It's a good movie. I like it. Almost everything that I've seen from Park Chan Wook's been great. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, and you know, I don't know why you listen to all the twists and turns we probably fucking ruined for this movie. It's better to go in completely blind. Which reminds me now, maybe we'll have to watch it over this weekend, but I didn't watch Stoker, his American movie. Did you see that? Are you familiar with Fruit Chan? Chan, C-H-A-N. No. Have you ever seen Dumplings? I don't think so. But the woman that takes the aborted fetuses and makes dumplings out of them and feeds them to women so they'll stay young forever? No. I got into them around the same time as I got into Old Boy and all that kind of stuff. So I think, I think they're like under Korean too. Just check them out. But I was thinking about abortions when you brought that up. If you're more leaning towards abortions, then a portrait of a lady on fire will fill <laughs> Not this one. Abortion's always a good place to end things, right? Always. <laughs> so we are off a week, and then we're coming back with real time. Chuck's pick. Yep, yep, yep. Chuck's pick. That should... He starts the month off. He went with the oldest one, too. It should be interesting. We'll be back in two weeks with your pick. Bye! We're Cinema DeMore. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening. One minor edit update for this episode. Infernal Affairs is a Chinese film, not a Korean film. Apologies on the mix-up.